Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Just, just let's just turn our palms up to heaven real quick. And you know, all this is, we call it a service, but it's, it's our time to meet with God. One of the many times, and we get to do it together. And uh, one of the things I wanted to share before I get into the word, and, and uh, I just had a picture there's a story in Genesis 26 and, and Isaac is in the land and he's in the famine and he, he sows in the land and he reaps a hundredfold in the same year. And then the latter half of that chapter, there's this moment where Isaac's like, I'm gonna make this my house. And so he goes to dig a well. And as soon as he digs the well, these jerks from next door come over and they cover up the well and they say, this is our well. And so he names that well striving. And then he goes, I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna dig a well. And he goes over, he digs this well. These other guys come over and they dig and he's like, I'm not gonna go there. Finally, he goes and he's looking around. He finally finds this place. He digs a well and nobody, he looks around like, is anybody gonna fill this thing up? And nobody does. And he says, this is Rehoboth, which is, means a wide open place. And I just wanna declare that prophetically over you tonight that you've been trying to dig a well. You've been trying to get to a place And there's been striving. Sorry, <laughs> don't know. I'm getting all emotional. Uh, but you've been stri- it's been striving, and it's been battling, and it's been war. But the Holy Spirit is declaring tonight that this is a Rehoboth for you. This is a wide open place. It's a place where the water can flow freely. This is a place where literally just an uncorking of your spirit and soul. You've been hesitant to even get involved in church or to, or to give your life over to Jesus even more. I, I've been burned once before. I've been fighting before. But now this place where you're at here tonight is a wide open place. It's a place where the river of God can flow. It's a place where the anointing can move in your life, where the word of God will come like a river, like a mighty rushing river pouring out of you. It's not an external well, it's an internal well. And we declare by the name of Jesus that it has been uncorked out of your life and the rivers of living water are opening and pouring and flowing out of you like never before. In the midst of a famine, it can happen. Jesus, we just thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you're here. You're moving already. God, we thank you even for that release tonight, Lord Jesus. I thank you that our hearts are going to be wide open to hear what you have to say. And everybody who believed that said amen and amen. Slap somebody a high five as you're being seated. God is good. What a great church we have. So thankful for Pastor Jurgen and Leanne and Dr. Matt and Michaela. They're out and about at a staff retreat. Thank you for Pastor Mike and Rachel. What a great church. As Pastor Mike said, I do have my family here. Three amazing kids. Their boyfriend, Catalina's boyfriend, Isaiah. My in-laws, also known as my new neighbors, have moved in. That's a lot of fun. Just more people to, you know, to do stuff around the house. <laughs> more, you know, squirrel killers and 
coyote killers. Last time I, I shared about the squirrels and the 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 uh, rabbits that I've been killing with my pellet rifle, but I up I leveled up uh, last summer. It's actually been, it's kind of sad. It's been a summer already, but I did kill a coyote with my pellet rifle. And uh, yeah, kind of proud about that. I had this, I have this sweet like big game picture of me just like, you know, with the angry face and the gun and the coyote, which is about that big, you know, just like, what well, ate my cat, okay? People are like, oh, this guy hates animals. No, I love animals. They're delicious. Oh, man. They are good. Rachel was talking about ludicrous. You can tell our age difference because I was like, like, space balls, like, ludicrous mode. And I was like, oh. <laughs> ludicrous was a rapper, too? Oh. All right. <laughs> That's all I know about ludicrous. And he was in, like, the Fast and Furious movie. I saw one. They're up to 90 now, so I'm just... Man, well, I got a great word for you tonight. Uh, the problem is I've been meditating on this word for a month, so, and I've got 25 minutes to give it to you all out. I'm not saying that because I think I'm cool. I'm just saying that there's, I got about three hours worth of content. I got to distill in here, so you better buckle up, get ready to lean into the word. This is going to go deep tonight. Amen? Amen. So I'm going to give you the title right off the bat here. The title is No Chill, Just Rest. In the beginning, God spent six days talking and creating and creating worlds and, and separating things and creating animals to eat and bugs to have dominion over, all that kind of stuff. And on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested, right? He just, he didn't chill. I will say he didn't chill. He said he rested. And we live in a world where we're like chilling. I like relaxing. I built my house and we have an atmosphere of relaxation around the house. I've got chairs all over the place to sit and take in views. I've got some chairs that are prophetic. They overlook where the pool is going to go. Uh, and there's some chairs that are, you know, reality. They overlook, and you can see the sunset every night, and that's my front porch. Uh, and then there's other chairs that haven't been built yet. There's going to be chairs over the pickleball court, and there's going to be chairs over the, the sand volleyball and the little chipping green so I can chip on there and, and practice so I can beat the south, uh, south campuses in golf. You know what I mean? So, speak it, prophesy. But God's, God spent these word, these, this time creating and speaking, and he's creating it. And his word is so amazing that even to this day, they recently discovered, guess what's still being created? Worlds are still being created out, way out in the far reaches of the galaxy. That's how potent and powerful his word is. It's still being created. He stopped on the, seven, on the sixth day. It was like, I'm done, sat down, rested on the seventh day. And yet his word is so powerful. Thousands of millennia later, and if you're a, you know, sort of an atheist and you believe in hundreds of billions, that's even better for me, I guess. Hundreds of billions of years later, his word's still going on. Right? His word is both timeless and it's eternal. It's timeless because this book is always relevant. It doesn't matter what era you live in, his word always speaks to us, each and every one of us. In, uh, in time, people say like, well, what about that? You're taking that out of context. I'm like, no, the context is God speaks to his people. That's the context of the Bible. And he's speaking to me right now. That's the context of it. Well, he was speaking to the Hebrews back then. Well, he's, well guess what? He was speaking to us and them all at the same time. And you say, I can't wrap my brain around that. That's why it's called spiritual, because it's all spirit, 
not about your brain. So it's timeless. It always speaks to us in every situation, every circumstance, every moment, but it's also eternal. So his word, Jesus says this, he says, heaven and earth are going to actually pass away. He says, but not one jot or one tittle will pass away from my word for eternity. His word will remain forever and always has remained. So he speaks, he creates. When we create, we have to think about it. Then we've got to sort of talk it about it. And then we've got to actually do it, right? So his speaking is how he creates. And he's put that inside of us to teach us how to create. Now, when we go to talk, start talking about rest, we have to understand that rest is both a spiritual and a natural activity that we get into. So he's up there speaking, he's done, he's rested. His rest was final. His work as the father was done, he created. Now he sent the son down, right? The son came down, Jesus. He came down to, he was born on this earth, born of a virgin, right? 100% man, 100% God. He born, he did his work. He got to the heaven. What did he say before he left? Anybody remember that? It is finished. What did he do? He got up to heaven and now he's chilling, resting, literally, resting at the right hand of the father because his work is done. Now we are in the era of the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit is working within each and every one of us to bring us to a place of rest. I'm going to read you Hebrews chapter 4, okay? New King James Version. Therefore, say therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Skip down to verse nine. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he, himself, he who has entered his rest for himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So he's saying, if you enter into God's rest, you are entering into the same type of rest that God entered into, which was God did something, he finished it, and he was good. Moving right along, verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Skip all the way down to verse 16. If you have a Bible, if you don't, you can just read on the screen. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We are instructed to be diligent to enter into the rest of God. And I don't think we really even talk about that. Like nobody ever said to me when I was, you know, growing up and, you know, hey, you need to be diligent to enter the rest of God. It was like, you need to be diligent to pray. You need to be diligent to read your Bible. You know what I mean? You need to be diligent to go to church. Maybe not that angry, but you get the point. Yeah, I was a very angry Baptist. No, I'm just kidding. It wasn't Baptist. Uh, I saw a meme today. It was like Baptist enjoying worship. It was just an angry face. I don't know. I don't think they were that mean. Uh, But anyways, rest is heaven. God created and lives in rest. In In the Hebrews here, every time that word says rest, therefore there remains entering of his rest, or he who has entered his rest, or to enter that rest, that phrase that I, I, metaphorically speaking, is a place of rest. And he says, because we're entering into where God entered into, we're entering into that rest that is only in heaven. So we get to a place of rest. In the the Old Testament, the promised land was, was to be a place of rest. What did they have to do first? They had to conquer. So we see that sometimes even in rest, there's battle. There's, there's friction, there's challenge, there's obstacles, there's obstructions that we have to overcome to 
battle to diligently enter that place of rest. Rest, though, is heaven. There's no strife. There's no tears. There's no, there's no sin. There's no distance. Why can we say that? How can you say there's battle, but there's no striving? Because Jesus said it was all finished. So when we come into the place of rest, when we come into a place of battle from a place of rest, we already know the outcome because the outcome has already been determined. It is finished. It's already done. The battle's already been won. And you may not feel that while you're in the midst of it, but as you keep on battling and you come from that place of rest, you learn how to battle from rest. In that other verse, in verse nine, it says, therefore there remains a rest for the people of God. That, that word means Sabbath. There remains not just a place of rest, but a time of rest. Sometimes we try and put God just on Sunday and be like, this is also my day of rest, when in reality, we should be living a lifestyle of rest. So then that begs the question, Casey, how do we enter and live in that place of rest? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give you four simple points. Are you ready for this? It's actually an acrostic, which is kind of cringy, but you know what? I'm going to roll with it. Letter R, relax in who you are. So who are you? Well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so-and-so, I'm a carpenter. Okay, cool. That's what you do, right? I'm, I'm this, okay, that's your, that's your title, your position, you know, but who are you really? Being always precedes doing. So what happens a lot of times in, in, in churches and people are, you know, good, good motives and good intentions, they're like, hey, you need to come to church. You need to read your Bible. You need to lift your hands. You need to, you know, do, it's all, what are all those things? Those are all actions, right? You need to do these things so that you will be a Christian. When in reality, it should be, you need to be like Jesus and what comes out of you is the actions. So I, how come I don't operate in healing? Well, are you trying to do healing or is it flowing out of you, which is how Jesus operated? He was the son of God. He was you know, a miracle worker because that's who he was on his inside. God is a miracle working God. So the opposite is actually where we wanna be. We want to be in love and be like Jesus. And then what flows out of us is the action. You know, you need to go evangelize somebody. Well, you will if you are like Jesus. Like Jesus didn't set up, you know, tents and revival meetings and all these things because it, he, it was who he was. Everything he said just flowed out of him. Hey, you're near the kingdom of God. The guy's like, well, I don't see it. He's like, it's right here, pal. That was the message translation. But he was, he just was, he was being precedes doing. What have you programmed about yourself that you don't like? What are you not worthy of? That's where we, that's where we start getting into who you really are. Well, I could never... I've always been told, people have said this about me. Oh, they, they, I, I will never be, I never learned how, I never, I'm not smart, I'm not good enough. All these things that we've pre-programmed inside of us that are beginning to shape our identity and keeping us from being and then doing. What are you not worthy of? What, what do you don't deserve from God? If you look at what the word says, it says we deserve all of it. 
not because of anything we did, but because of everything that he was and is and will be and then did on top of that because of what he did. And yet we get in our mind I, I could, the, these blockages, these obstructions that go deep down inside it, we've got to continually pull those things out. I think it's interesting that right now, if you look at the Awakened podcast, there's a number of messages on identity because God's trying to get something into, inside of you to draw it out. What about my identity? How much do you really know? If somebody says, who are you? What are you going to say? We've been pre-programmed to have all these things. One of the things that we, we have in our household, uh, kind of a phrase that we like to use is 100% ownership. And uh, that means you are 100% in charge <clears throat> of your life as you submit to the will of God. So nobody makes me happy aside from me. I don't rely on the dog to make me happy. Um, I'm gonna take a sip of water before I get into this one. My dog exists for my pleasure. And it does not derive, I do not derive any pleasure from it. <laughs> Therefore, if you're looking for a cute little dog, I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but you are responsible for your happiness. You are responsible for your fulfillment, for your joy. You're responsible for your future. You're responsible for your harvest. You're responsible for your reaping of that harvest. You have, it's 100% ownership. You are responsible. Nobody else can make, they can try and put that on you. The other day I was at a, 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 a business call and they were trying to put a whole bunch of stuff on me. And I said, nope. That, no, sorry, that's your impression of what you think I did. And I said, that is not what happened. Here's what did happen because I'm gonna take 100% ownership. You don't get to tell me what I'm really like. I know you're kind of person. No, you don't. You don't know me. You don't know me at all. Only Jesus really truly knows me and I'm gonna let him decide what I look like, what I talk like, what I sound like, what I act like, because I'm gonna be like Jesus. A lot of people are like, what would Jesus do? We don't have to ask that question. We know what he did. We know what he would do. And if you don't, try reading your Bible. I just don't know what he would do. I had to wear a bracelet to remind me to ask somebody. What? That's a doer, not a beer, right? If you're just like Jesus, if you're in his presence, if you're around him, then you are really gonna know what he's like. And you're really gonna be like him. When Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, he's not saying, yo, wear the same Nikes I got on, buy your robe at the same robe shop that I buy my robes at. Go to Lord Boards on Straight Street in Ephesus. They'll hook you up with the flyest Birkenstocks. He didn't say that. He was saying, imitate me. See what I'm doing. See how I'm living like Jesus. That's how you need to be living like Jesus. Being always precedes doing. Letter E, examine yourself for obstructions. We got this Starlink uh, satellite because we live out, you know, just past the country road. City maintained, county maintained, whatever. So we had this lame internet for the last couple of years. And it's like this, like laser beam has to be shot to a tower. And, you know, it gives you like 
We're like on AOL, basically. <clears throat> so we got Starlink finally. They set it up. It's this big old square, you know, satellite dish thing. And uh, the first thing you do is you put it in the area where you think you're going to, you know, be projecting or hanging it up. And the first thing you do is it says, check for obstructions. Look up, see if there's anything blocking the reception to the sky. And that doesn't take a genius or deep revelation to kind of put those things together and be like, you know what? I wonder if there are any obstructions between me and God. And if there are obstructions, you know what you do? You get them out. How do you get them out? You repent. That, that can be like, I think a lot of Christians view repentance as kind of like a bad word. You know, because we're, we've kind of lived in this era of like, you know, you do bad things, God's going to judge you, you know, turn or burn, you know? Like, how, what do I got to do? You got to repent. You know, like that sounds, it just sounds so harsh and so bad. When in reality, when you read Acts chapter three, Peter says, repent so that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. You want a clean wash, you repent. You want a good attitude, you repent. You want to remove, remove obstructions, you repent. You want to get the blockades out of your life, you repent. I repent every day. You say, this guy's a really big sinner. No, I, rep I mean, yes, but <laughs> also I just know that if I just go up there and I'll just start forgiving people, even if, you know, I'll just be like, Holy Spirit, I'm going to take five minutes. I'm just going to forgive Anybody who I may have have an offense against, you know, <clears throat> my mom, no, I was kidding. My wife, no, none of that. She's so perfect and loving. Yeah. You just start repenting and, and just repenting and it just feels good. It's like, you don't, you don't need, you weren't made to, made to carry that anyway. Jesus took it on the cross so that you wouldn't have to bear it. And we're over there stuffing it down. No, I got to bear this one. This one's on me. This one's on me. No, no, it's not on you. Get it on Jesus. Put it on the cross. Get it off. Remove the obstructions out of your life. Paul says, I die daily. What's he dying to? He's dying to his old nature every single day. And it's interesting when you look at what Paul says throughout his letters, specifically in reference to sort of dying daily. He's like, I die daily. I crucify my flesh with its lusts and passions. You know what I mean? It's just like, it, it's, it's a, like a violent, you know what I mean? Like, It's pretty good form. I'm not gonna lie. You got to get that off. You got to be diligent to get that off. Letter C. Sorry, not letter C. It's letter C on mine. It's letter S. Surrender to the will of God. Surrender to the will of God. If you want to find true rest, walk in the will of God. Why is that? Because it's perfect. And it's perfect for you. He has a will that is general. Everybody should come to Jesus. Everyone should call on his name and repent and come. And, but there's a specific will for each and every one of us. Every single day, every month, every year, there's a perfect will of God for your life. And when you walk in that, there's when rest comes. When you get out of it, that's when things start to get a little shaky Right? And not in that, there's a difference between like a little bit of warfare, a little bit of tension, a little bit of heat, but then there's like, I am out of the will of God and this does not feel right. <clears throat> right? 
And, and we've got to get back in the will of God. We need to surrender to the will of God. His will is his word and his word is his will. I don't know the will of God for my life. Read the Bible. How do, what am I supposed to do? I, we don't, I don't say read the Bible or pray. I typically put it like this, feed yourself. Spiritually feed yourself, right? You got to eat of the word. Every day you got to eat, right? Everybody knows that? Some of us too much, right? <clears throat> Everybody knows you got to feed yourself every single day. You got to feed your spirit every single day. You got to talk to Jesus every single day. If you can make it a day without talking to Jesus, come talk to me and I'll throw some things on you for me. Here, I got some things you can talk to him about. Delegate some prayers, you know. I'm a man, senior manager, watch out. <clears throat> so you got to surrender to the will of God. The fastest way to accomplish God's will in your life is obedience. Just obey. Otherwise, you go, instead of just going, that's what the will of God sounds like. (laughs) Last one. Timing is essential. Timing is essential. There's a word in Greek in the New Testament that you see, there's two words for time in Greek. Uh, there's chronos, which is, you know, having a cool watch <clears throat> time, literally the hours of the day. And then there's kairos time, which is a moment. And it's interesting because we see this in, in this passage here, the one of the words that talks about uh, in verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of eukairos is the word. In time of need is how we translate it in English. It doesn't even say in, in, in the original, it doesn't say in time of need. It just says to help in need, in, to help in that moment. In that perfect moment, God is a master of timing. He is never late. He's never early. He's always right on time. There's no, he's two minutes late. No, you're two minutes late or you're two minutes early or you're off and God is on time. That's the measurement here. And so we're supposed to come to his throne in time of need. In the perfect time, timing is essential. We need to draw and be drawn. When you draw near to God, James says he will draw near to you. But as you start drawing near to God, what happens is a current just begins to sweep you up into his presence and into his will and into his timing. And it's in those moments that people realize whoa, I didn't even know this was going to happen. Things happen in faster amounts of time because God is working in eternity, which is the Hebrew word. It literally means time outside of the mind. We don't even comprehend eternity because it's not in our brain, it's in our spirit. So when you start working in Kairos time, it doesn't matter how many days, minutes, hours, whatever. It didn't matter that Lazarus had been dead for four days. Kairos time says, come on out. You're not supposed to die now, but he was already dead for four days. doesn't matter. Kairos time says, come on out, Lazarus. He didn't have to go there and be like, okay, I got to get all, all my miracle working power. Okay, who's ready for this? Lazarus, you know what I mean? 
I did watch the Elvis movie, and I was inspired by that move. <clears throat> it didn't take, you know, oh, you know, Star Wars style where they're trying to draw things. No, he just walked over and just said, Lazarus, come forth. And then Lazarus comes out, you know. <laughs> Control to you know. <clears throat> but timing is essential. He even says to him, he's like, Lazarus is going to be dead, and I'm glad. That's what Jesus said, for your sakes. He says, I'm glad for your sakes. That's a complete sentence. But you get the point. Hey, Lazarus is glad, and I'm dead. What? You're mean. No. He was like, no, because I know the timing of God. I'm on the timing. Where are you at? Ecclesiastes 3.1 says there's a season and there is a time for everything. What is the timing in your life right now? If your timing is off, you need to get back on track. When we have fruit in our life, there's, there's two types of fruit. There's the seasonal fruit that comes from sowing and reaping. But David talks about in in the Psalms, he says, there's a tree that bears fruit every season. Every season, there's always bearing fruit. That timing is essential. If you as a believer, you need to get into the timing of God. I'm still waiting on my harvest. Start sowing even now. Start sowing because as you start sowing, guess what's happened? You'll start reaping and you never know what different seeds are gonna, when they're gonna yield the harvest because the timing's not up to you, it's up to God. So start sowing and some, some take a month, some take a day, some take a year, some take a lifetime. But as you keep sowing and sowing and sowing and sowing, you're going to keep reaping and reaping and reaping because this timing is essential. And when we start to think spiritually, when we start to get into the rest of God, we start to see the move of God in our life. Let us therefore be diligent to enter into that rest. Be diligent to enter into that rest. Be diligent to enter into that rest. Just stand as, as we close this evening. I want to open up the altars in just a minute. But when you look at that and you say, you know what? I do not feel like I have been coming from a place of rest recently. Maybe, maybe your identity is, is all shaken up and you want to get prayer for that. Maybe you want to, you know, you need to come forward and examine your life. Come forward for that. Maybe you need to surrender to the will of God. You never did that before. Just, I don't know, I just felt like I should. Maybe your timing is off. Whatever it is, the altar is going to be open. And this, this is a place, a resting place. This is a place where you want to be diligent to enter, diligent to come forward. This is the kind of altar where you come and your life is changed forever. As Dr. Matt likes to say, your life is altered at the altar, Right? Sometimes we, we wait. Sometimes we're waiting for somebody to pray for us. I would just say, come to the altar. Somebody will come by and pray for you. And if they don't, Jesus literally is up in heaven interceding for us all the time. 
but I'm just gonna, I wanna release you now to come and pray and our, our, our altar team is gonna be up here. You say, yeah, I need prayer. I, I'm not in rest and I wanna get in rest. Just come on down right now. Just come down. I wanna pray for you. And I believe there's gonna be that uncorking in your heart. There's gonna be that release of the presence of God, a release of identity, a release in your heart and your spirit. Your timing's gonna come back on there. Surrendering to the will of God, removing all obstructions. We're gonna start praying for these. You guys can go ahead and start praying. But if you're here and you've never surrendered to the will of God, you've never said, I wanna be a Christian, or maybe you've backslid and you're ready to get back in, I wanna pray for you. So I just want, if you're here tonight and you say, yeah, that's me. I need prayer. Could you just just wave at me? Yeah, I want to. I need to re-surrender or surrender to the will of God. Just just wave at me. I want to pray for you. Just wave. Thank you. Thank you. Just wave. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you in the back. Yes. Come on. Yes. Thank you. Come on. Yes. We've got John over here. He's got a Bible and a following Jesus book. If you raise your hand, if you waved your hand, I want you to come down and see him. We've got people who want to pray with you, who want to just seal the deal tonight, saying, yeah, I'm not turning back. I'm going forward. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to hand over to Pastor Mike. Lord, I thank you for tonight. I thank you for your word, God. Thank you that you're moving, you're speaking, you're flowing through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.